Please note some of the content in this podcast may bring up a strong emotional response. Please do what you need to to take care of yourself while you listen, and perhaps think of someone you could call for emotional support if necessary. Welcome to Remembering Resilience, a podcast by Native Americans on Native American resilience through and beyond trauma. My name is Susan Bolio, and I'm a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota. I'm a mother of four and live in central Minnesota with my family. And I am Brianna Matrius, an enrolled member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. I currently reside in the urban area, but I am still very much connected to my hometown in Pine County. Susan and I are colleagues on the American Indian Resource and Resiliency Team under Family Resilience through the University of Minnesota Extension. We are passionate about sharing the tools, practices, and wisdom that has been so powerful on our own healing journeys with others who are also looking to generate healing for themselves, their families, and their communities. This is episode eight in the Remembering Resilience series. In the last episode, Brianna and I had a chance to talk with Dr. Joe Tuffer, an integrative family physician, corandero, author, and speaker about dis-ease and the role of the individual and community in healing. Today we will go deeper and look at how trauma creates dis-ease or disease in the body, as well as consider how different ways of framing a problem, such as disease, generates different approaches to healing. In particular, we will explore differences between the Western medical disease model and the indigenous dis-ease approach, and we will learn about the eagle and condor prophecy. We begin by asking Dr. Tafur what health is and how trauma and chronic stress can lead to dis-ease in the body and mind. Yeah, well, spirituality and health are the same thing. And so then that is about, that both of them end up being about being in right relationship, as they say, with yourself, you know, with your intimate loved ones, your community, your society, your ecosystem, and the universe. And then that's really what the nature of health is. That is the measure of health. And then that is also the spiritual path of growth. I love how Dr. Tafur defines health in terms of the quality of your relationships on a micro and macro level. And it's all connected to our spiritual growth. This is really an indigenous way of looking at health. So often in Western society, health is defined and measured on an individual basis, completely ignoring all the ways relationships can promote or damage health and well-being. And spirituality is rarely considered when looking at the health of individuals, which of course makes sense because if we consider the spiritual side, we would have to recognize this interconnectedness and interrelatedness. Dr. Tafur goes on to talk about the impacts of trauma such as PTSD. When we look at something like PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a form of anxiety disorder, right, where people are really uh, affected and traumatized by some trauma, whether that is, it could be war. You know, we hear a lot about PTSD from war, but also from sexual abuse and sexual trauma is a classic uh, PTSD. So there's a, there's a disease. So we know they have psychological problems. So we know that these people are like overreactive and triggered by all kinds of stuff. We know that they have a lot of nightmares. You know, they get triggered by all kinds of phenomena, but then they also have a physiologic reaction. 
When our sympathetic nervous system, or fight or flight, is activated, our body gets a shot of adrenaline, which gets our heart going, and we breathe quicker, sending oxygenated blood out into our system to help us run faster or fight harder. Our body also releases cortisol into the system, which shuts down digestion. After all, digesting breakfast isn't important if you don't survive this threat, and diverts energy to other parts of the body, gearing up to respond to the threat. Glucose is released into our blood, providing energy to run faster or fight harder. And although cortisol initially gives our immune system a bump, anticipating getting injured, over the long term, when we stay in the stress response too long or too often, it can decrease our body's ability to fight disease and infection. Our muscles get tense and the blood vessels in our large muscle groups get bigger to allow in more oxygenated blood so we can run faster or fight harder. In the short term, all of these physical responses are critical for our survival in a truly life-threatening situation. But if this stress response is activated continuously throughout our childhood or another extended period of time, our nervous system becomes dysregulated, and that can lead to health issues. Dr. Tafur talks about this. So they have their stress response system, their fight or flight is overreactive. So it's not just in their head or it is in their head, whatever they want to call it, but these people's heart rates will react out of order more than you might expect. They break into a sweat. Their breathing is going to be affected. They're going to have a really hard time physiologically with their bodies when they're triggered. And that might lead to digestive problems and all kinds of other things, sexual dysfunction. And then you have their other stuff. So then we start studying their like their immune system. So now there's like inflammation, like all this excess inflammation. So because of the chronic stress, they're like more inflamed. Chronic inflammation leads to more body pain, more aches and pains. Healing doesn't work as well from injury. Cortisol, so hormonal response. So now their hormone system, their endocrine system starts to get also screwed up. And so they're too much adrenaline, too much fight or flight, or their cortisol that's supposed to modulate their stress response and interact with their immune system the cycle of that cortisol gets screwed up. A dysregulated nervous system can lead to health issues such as a heart attack and heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, cancer, diabetes, digestive issues such as IBS, or inflammatory or autoimmune diseases. When the sympathetic nervous system or stress response system is stuck on on, Cortisol levels in the body stay high, and levels that are too high for too long can cause serious issues, including weight gain, diabetes, high blood pressure, sleep issues, mood disorders, and low energy levels. In addition, neuroscientists have looked at the brains of people who have experienced childhood trauma compared to those who had not, and they found some important differences, including size and function of the different brain regions, as well as an impact on how the brain produces and processes different neurotransmitters. Dr. Tafur continues. So they study the brain and they study the MRI and all the EEG and what's going on with the, the brain the neurotransmitters and just certain uh, systems in the brain that we can follow and show that they're off with the PTSD. And then they're, like I said, their hormones and their immune system. So that, that's been studied in the mind-body medicine as the, what I call the network, the psychoneuroendocrine immunologic network is this network uh, that they see like, wow, look, it's responding in as a network. Like it's this emotional trauma and then all these systems are disturbed. And so we see that in a lot of illnesses. The bottom line is that unresolved trauma can throw the nervous system out of whack. Unresolved traumas can be all the things we've already talked about, including ACEs, ancestral, additional adult trauma, 
and everyday stressors and trauma like microaggressions and discrimination. Given the nervous system regulates and impacts all of the other systems in the body, a dysregulated nervous system can lead to disease, illness, and potentially early death. This helps me understand why our indigenous communities suffer from such high rates of diseases like diabetes, cancer, and heart disease, as well as mental health issues like depression, anxiety, and PTSD, or chemical health issues. So if many of the health issues we see in our indigenous communities today stem from a dysregulated nervous system, are there any ways to fast track the re-regulation of it? We will consider that next. You are listening to Remembering Resilience, a podcast by Native Americans on Native American resilience through and beyond trauma. We're talking with Dr. Joe Tefer about the impacts of chronic stress and trauma on the mind and body, which can lead to illness and disease. We turn next to look at the differences in how the Western medical model approaches illness and disease compared to the indigenous approach. Dr. Tefer explains something he often saw during his time working with the Shipibo people at the plant medicine center he helped start in Peru. And that's a problem where we know it was emotional trauma. Like, no one's arguing about that. That it was emotional trauma that led to all this disturbance. And then this person goes through a deep healing process, a spiritual healing process, let's say, and all those things get better, you know? Their heart rate response, their nightmares, their digestion, their body pain, their inflammation, their cortisol levels, all of them get better. Incredible. People experiencing physical healing and a reduction in PTSD and other disease symptoms when their emotional pain and trauma was addressed. Often, in the Western medical model, the focus is on the disease symptoms and minimizing them rather than addressing the root cause of the issue. Especially with mental health, the solution in our healthcare, or rather sick care systems today, is to give someone a prescription and send them on their way. Yet Dr. Defer is talking about disease symptoms disappearing after addressing the emotional and spiritual nature of the trauma. No need to mask symptoms or just live with them. This makes me wonder how the use of ceremonies and other indigenous practices, such as plant medicines like ayahuasca, can seem to address the issue driving the physical and mental disease or illness. Right. I think it's related to our belief as indigenous people that we are much more than our physical bodies. We recognize ourselves first as spiritual beings in a human body, having thoughts and emotions, and all of these parts of ourselves, our spirits, minds, bodies, and emotions are all connected and impact one another. Dr. Tefer continues. And so then I say, wow, you know, the spiritual healing process, the PNEI network is a physiologic network that responds to emotional trauma and emotional healing. So I'm saying, well, that's the emotional body. We can start talking about that as the emotional body, and we can show how disturbance in the emotional body is related to emotional trauma and how it responds to emotional healing. And that's, that's for, to, for me, that's really important, and it's useful, because then it, now we have something to talk about. Because for the Shipibos that I'm working with, they're like, that's an energetic disturbance. That's what's wrong with that person. So then we need to address that person energetically to heal them. And that's what we're hearing from this other PTSD work that's being done with somatic experience therapy. You know, they're like, okay, this is, this is the body's 
you know, reacting like it was a, a deer attacked by the predator and all this energy stored up in there and they got to shake it off. They got to release this. They got to shed this. They got to grieve this. They got to grieve this. I can't help but wonder if our Indigenous communities have really had a chance to grieve all of the incredible losses we've experienced since contact. For many of us, individually and collectively, we have experienced loss after loss after loss. Perhaps this energy of grief and loss is stored up in our minds and bodies, being passed down epigenetically and intergenerationally. But there are more and more of us that are saying, enough is enough, and we are willing to address this historic and intergenerational trauma to keep it from passing on to the next generations. From an Indigenous perspective, this isn't something that can be fixed with a pill or talk therapy. As Dr. Tafur explains, it's an energetic problem. Like they might be suffering from what we would call an energetic problem. There might be emotional trauma underneath that. And so you might need to consider some kind of healing process that's going to acknowledge what I would say the, the, the emotional and the spiritual dimensions because when you're able to do that, it seems like it's faster, the healing process. Indigenous people around the world have used psychedelic plant medicines such as ayahuasca, peyote, San Pedro, and psilocybin or magic mushrooms for healing at all levels, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. These plant medicines have helped humans address emotional and energetic stuckness both individually and collectively for thousands of years. In the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, Western researchers and therapists began studying the therapeutic benefits of psychedelics for addressing a variety of issues, from substance use issues to anxiety to depression. The research was promising, but politics took over, and all psychedelics, including psilocybin, peyote, San Pedro, LSD, MDMA or Molly, and ayahuasca, were made illegal and placed on the Schedule I drug category. Schedule I drugs, according to the FDA, are, quote, drugs with high abuse potential and no accepted medical use in the United States, end quote. Psychedelics remain on the Schedule I category, even though they are generally considered physiologically safe and do not lead to dependence or addiction. This is according to a 2016 article by Dr. David Nichols on psychedelics in the Pharmacological Reviews. Once they were placed in Schedule I, research approval became difficult and research came to a grinding halt. But now psychedelic research organizations like MAPS or the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Sciences, as well as universities such as Johns Hopkins, have gotten pushed and gotten approval to study psychedelics in the treatment of everything from PTSD to substance use issues to anxiety and depressive disorders. Dr. Tafur has been involved with some of the MAPS work on treatment-resistant PTSD. And then we also have the evidence of what's going on with the psychedelic psychotherapy stuff and that research that they're doing with MDMA, et cetera, where they're seeing these really transformative healings with people who are not supposed to get better. And when you meet the people, yeah, they're using psychedelics and all that stuff, but when you meet the healers, the therapists that are part of the research study, they are very spiritually oriented people, like at least open-minded spiritually, at least open-minded to energetics, non-judgmental, keeping these people extremely safe. It's a sacred space that they hold in their place. 
Dr. Tafur explains how a chemical compound in MDMA or Molly is indigenous to North America. Turns out that MDMA, the root of that is the sassafras tree here in North America, the big sassafras forest, and that they that is the root of that tree that produces saffron oil, you know, which is part of the sarsaparilla for root beer for a long time. But it was Native Americans that taught, uh, you know, whatever the white settlers, how to use that medicine. And it turns out that working with that kind of medicine in a spiritual context can be very, very effective to heal people from PTSD, people who had treatment-resistant PTSD 17 to eight year, 18 years on average to enter the study. Nothing helps. And then one year later, almost 70% of them don't have it anymore. One year after experiencing psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy with MDMA, people suffering from treatment-resistant PTSD for 17 or more years no longer qualified as having PTSD, with most having significant symptom reduction or complete elimination. I mean, wow. I think of my dad, who, like so many of our Indigenous family members, suffered from PTSD. His PTSD was a result of his combat service in Vietnam, and it greatly affected my family growing up. He passed away this January, but he really could have benefited from this therapy or some other psychedelic with the proper preparation, set, and setting, and integration, of course. The potential for psychedelic psychotherapy to heal a debilitating mental health issue in a matter of months, when it couldn't even be managed with decades of pharmaceuticals or talk therapy, it's truly incredible. Dr. Tafur talks more about this. So that's like the potential of reawakening these kind of approaches, like that I say, that acknowledge the spiritual and emotional dimensions that are going to treat the emotional body, that are going to make space for energetic approach, allowing people to have an experience that maybe doesn't make sense according to the physical anatomy, but is very real for their themselves. Pretty much every time I'm going to walk away with a wow. That was a pretty energetic experience. So it's a mix of like there is real physiology, there is real biology behind it. You are listening to Remembering Resilience, a podcast by Native Americans on Native American resilience through and beyond trauma. We've been talking with Dr. Joe Tafur about how stress and trauma impact the emotional body, as well as how psychedelics, such as MDMA and ayahuasca, when used with great care and respect by seasoned practitioners or healers, can be helpful for addressing emotional and spiritual wounds, which can lead to mental and physical dis-ease or disease. During our conversation with Dr. Tafur, he told us about the ancient indigenous prophecy from South America of the eagle and the condor, which foretells of the clash between the eagle and the condor people. The condor people are deeply in tune with and connected to nature. They are spiritually oriented, intuitive, and driven by their heart. In some versions of this prophecy, the condor people are indigenous people of the Americas. In others, they are indigenous people only from South America. The eagle people are much more into technology, data, and are driven by their head. Some versions of the prophecy say that the eagle people are from North America, while others say they are Westerners who come to the Americas. Dr. Tafur continues the prophecy. 
so that the Eagle people were going to come and then there was going to be a big devastation, you know, what we're all aware of, right? And then that was going to last for 500 years. And for 500 years, that would go on. And then the next Pachacuti would happen in the 1990s. And in the 1990s till now, till 2020, would be a turning of the soil where we would come to a place where there would be an ecological crisis. And that the focus, the materialistic focus of the Eagle people would lead them to, first, the ecological crisis would be a big wake-up call, number one. Number two, that they would also, their own alienation and separation from each other, from community, from spirituality, would lead to their own suffering. That they would start to have more problems, more mental health problems in the society, and you know, begin to look outside of their culture for help. He explains that the Condor people, who have been devastated over the last 500 years and are still grieving their losses, come to realize that if they want things to get better, they must share their culture and medicines with the Eagle people, or the Eagle people will destroy everything. So a period of connection and healing between the two groups begins, which has begun over the last 20 to 30 years, with the mushroom ceremonies of Mexico and the ayahuasca ceremonies of the Amazon rainforest being shared with Western people seeking spiritual connection, healing, and meaning. Dr. Tafur explains the next piece of the prophecy. So then that's part of the prophecy is that the North and South would come together, the Americas would come together, that that would be really an important step in this future where the heart, which is being kept sacred by the Native American culture, is perhaps buried in, you know, in some situations, but that it still was there. And then the mind, you know, that has been maybe overly, uh, whatever, been a focus of the Western culture, that they would come together, you know. And the United States is a very interesting place for that to happen, right, because you have people with a lot of exposure to both sides, you know. Um, you got whatever, all these, these Native American PhDs popping up, you know, left and right and MDs and all this different stuff where people are quite, some of these people are very well studied and to some degree in both cultures. And so that coming together in this eagle and condor, the, the prophecies that the condor and the eagle will fly together now from this point forward. And that that's what's going on right now. And that'll be bridging the mind and the heart will be the key to a new human consciousness that will allow for a lot of things to move forward. This prophecy gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. We are currently in a time of remembering our interconnectedness, our sacredness, a time of stepping back into our wholeness. I believe the wisdom of our spirits knew we were coming to do this repair work in our families and communities, although we may have forgotten. And we are being called to return to our cultural values of love and respect. We are being asked to remember and practice our traditions and ceremonies, to speak our languages and live our practices of reciprocity and humility. Absolutely. We are being called to remember our resilience and all that made our indigenous nations strong and vibrant, which, as Dr. Tafur mentioned earlier, measures health as being in right relationship with yourself, your loved ones, your community, your society, your ecosystem, and the universe. This, of course, includes our plant and animal relatives on our Mother Earth. Dr. Tafur goes on to speak about how the prophecy is bringing together the North and the South, the eagle and the condor, in his own life. And then in my little world, you know, it's like 
coming up to Arizona with, you know, my experience with ayahuasca and giving lectures about it and finding um, these two Diné ladies, these Navajo ladies who come to my talks, you know, and they come hear me and there's no Native Americans coming to my talks, you know, down here. It's like a psychedelic world. I'm in Arizona. It's just so it's, it's striking for me. So I went up and talked to them. Hey, what are you guys doing here? And what are you ladies doing here? They said, oh, you know, they had big healings with ayahuasca, like really surprising healings with ayahuasca. And they had been through peyote ceremony and their families, you know, had also done a lot of traditional Navajo things. But this ayahuasca, like, whoa, that really helped them kind of move forward. And in their case was as kind of like that kind of healing was also about bringing to life their own medicine as medicine people like that they somehow it helped ignite that in them. And so they wanted to talk to me about that. It's definitely interesting because although peyote has been used for a long time in our indigenous communities in the Southwest and through the American Indian church, more and more of our indigenous people are starting to hear about and consider psychedelic plant medicines such as ayahuasca for healing. And both of us have also experienced big healings through ayahuasca ceremonies, haven't we? Yeah, for sure. We will get into those stories and more on ayahuasca in the next episode with Dr. Tafur. We will also consider how plant medicine and psychedelics could help us as Indigenous people reconnect with our own culture, ceremonies, values, and traditions to help us remember our resilience. Thank you to Dr. Joe Tafur for taking the time to speak with us as well as the Center for Prevention at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota, Family Wise Services, and the University of Minnesota Extension, Family Resilience, for their support of Episode 8 in the series. And thank you for listening to this episode of Remembering Resilience. Giga Wabaman, Minowa. For more information on Dr. Tefer, you can check out his website at www.drjoetefer.com. That's www.drjoetefer.com. Or you can check out his Modern Spirit podcast series at www.modernspirit.org. Information on MAPS MDMA research can be found at www.maps.com. That's www.maps.com. Additional resources and information on psychedelics can be found on Michael Pollan's website at www.michaelpollan.com, where you can search for psychedelic resources. You can find the full Remembering Resilience series at rememberingresilience.home.blog. Music during today's conversation is thanks to the band Warbonnet. Warbonnet is a Native American rock band from the Ojibwe reservations of northern Minnesota. Check them out online at warbonnetofficial.com. Dot com.
This podcast is developed through a health power project at Family Wise Services with support from the Center for Prevention at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota and the University of Minnesota Extension Family Resilience. You've heard our stories, our experiences, and now we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think in a brief survey by going to surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash podcast rr. When you fill out the survey, you will be entered into a drawing for a gift card to Birchbark Books, held monthly through 2022. That's surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash podcast rr. Chi miigwech.